Reading from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Carol. Uh, it's a wonderful passage, isn't it? Why don't we um, begin our time uh, in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, we ask that you would help us to see your glory this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, each one of us uh, has characteristics about them that frustrate other people. Uh, if you ask my wife, she may or may not uh, confirm this. But it's not always because we're wrong. Uh, often it's simply because we do things differently to how others do them. And the more you get to know people, the more these characteristics come out. And as humans, we're, we're flawed, we're sinful. And it's no wonder we frustrate each other from time to time. But when we work our way through these frustrations of ours, we can come to appreciate people's differences. Uh, as Christians, sometimes we get frustrated with one another, sometimes we get frustrated with God, even though he's perfect and holy. We find things about God hard to understand, and that frustrates us. Uh, we find things, uh, and I think in, in this passage uh, this morning, uh, it provides us a bit of an example. Psalm 29 provides some difficulties when it comes to understanding why God acts the way he does. But as we work through it, it gives us details about God that help us to treasure him all the more. We see God's power on display in the force of the storm. And it shows us an aspect of God's glory that's not all rainbows and butterflies, uh, but one that we can still embrace. We're looking at uh, different psalms in the month of January, and the psalms give us a glimpse of the way God's people used to worship him. Uh, when we read the Psalms, we see the conversation between God and his people. It's often direct, it's intense, it's intimate, but more than that, it's honest. People pour out their hearts to God. The Psalms don't just inform our intellect, but they awake our emotions. They stimulate our imagination. 
They direct us and our wills towards God. And that's the case this morning as we look at Psalm 29. Uh, It's a psalm that was penned by the King David. A psalm with powerful imagery. It's a psalm that has movement. It begins in heaven, in God's throne room, and then it moves down to the waters where the storm takes shape. The storm comes ashore in the north, in Lebanon, uh, before gradually moving south. And it heads in the direction of Jerusalem, the spiritual home of God's people at the time. And there's a conclusion to the psalm, but it leaves us unsure about what happens next. Uh, we'll, We'll come to that a little bit later. But to begin with, we're in God's throne room. David calls to these mighty ones, these heavenly beings, as uh, some translations say, and he calls them to attribute to God glory and strength. These mighty ones, or heavenly beings, uh, they could be angels, and the call is, give God the glory that is his. Uh, Worship him because there is no one like him. And it's fitting that that those in the presence of God would respond that way uh, to what they see. Uh, Tokyo is said to be the largest city in the world with a population of around 37 million people. Now, with that many people, you can imagine it might feel slightly crowded, uh, as though it's actually as though it's bursting at the seams, uh, swarms of people crossing the streets. And then there's the trains. Uh, There's some great footage of rush hour uh, trains. There are are multiple train workers literally pushing people inside the doors to try and close them. And if you're on the ground, it it sounds like it's fairly chaotic. But say you're flying into Tokyo, looking out the window of a plane. Uh, You get a much different perspective on things. Things seem a lot calmer, a lot quieter. It looks beautiful, peaceful, a lot more under control in the scheme of things. And today's psalm is a little bit like that. It zooms out. It gives us a different perspective on things. It shows us how different things look from heaven. What seems chaotic to us is completely under God's control. It shows us the glory of God and it invites us to cry out, glory with those in the psalm. And I think it's an important psalm for us because it shows us a a slightly different reason to give glory to God. Uh, We like the idea of a a loving God. Uh, I know I personally do. But at times we forget the awesomeness, the power, the majesty of the God whom we follow. Psalm 29 helps us to reimagine just how much greater than anything or anyone he is. So let's look at uh, why God deserves the glory in verses 3 to 9. And in this section, we see why crying out glory is at times the only response that's fitting for our God. The power of God is paraded before us in these verses. Uh, We see the phrase, the voice of the Lord, used seven times. Uh, And this is the voice that is the force behind the storm. We see it in verses 3 and 4. You'll often hear how in the Bible the water represents chaos It's out of control, it it rages, it can't be tamed. And for God's people singing this psalm, they would have had that understanding. They probably wouldn't have spent their summers down at the beach swimming in the sea because they would steer clear of the chaos. In these verses, we see God's voice as thunder. Uh, 
I must say I do enjoy a good thunderstorm, although we don't get many here in Christchurch. Uh, It's hard to fathom how thunder can get so loud, so deafening is its sound, even louder than the drums in a church service. Uh, And at times you can almost feel the thunder. And we see it's, it's God's voice that thunders over the waters. The water might seem chaotic to us, but God's voice is that force behind it. Uh, you think of the sheer force of waves. Picture a, a surfer trying to find his way out the back, uh, but being halted in his tracks by, by wave after wave, or, or even a tsunami. Uh, it can level anything in its path. When God's people at the time thought about the mighty waters, uh, they might remember the way that God parted the Red Sea for them, but then engulfed the Egyptians in their chariots. Their God has power. Their God has majesty. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier that the storm is, is on the move, and in verse 5 we see that it reaches, it reaches land and it wreaks havoc. It comes to Lebanon in the north. Uh, cedars were said to be quite sturdy trees at the time. They, they could grow up to 120 feet tall, but, but what's more, they had firm roots. And yet the storm breaks right through them. Notice it, it says it twice in verse 5, just to make sure that we don't miss it. Even the strongest of trees is broken to pieces, ripped from the roots. Verse 6 mentions uh, Lebanon and Syrian and most people think Syrians referring to this place called Mount Hermon, uh, which is uh, almost 3,000 metres high. It's, it's the highest mountain in the Palestine region. It's a picture of immovability, and yet it rocks under the impact of this storm. If you picture a, a calf or a young wild ox skipping along, they're, they're bundles of energy. Obviously, they become less mobile as they get older, but when they're young, they they skip and bounce from place to place. Seeing a calf move, it actually surprises you how agile and and sprightly it can be. Just as it surprises us when the voice of the Lord hits the nation of Lebanon and its impressive mountains. It's hard for us to picture that kind of force in a storm, able to move the most solid of structures. Uh, Back in my flatting days, I used to live with a guy who had a fairly niche hobby, uh, storm chasing. Is is anyone in the room uh, into storm chasing? No, like I said, it's a fairly niche hobby. Uh, And New Zealand doesn't offer a whole lot on that front compared to other countries. Uh, So this guy, he made trips to the United States and other parts of the world to get up close and personal with some of these storms. Now, Storm storm chasing is is pretty big in the US, uh, but if you've ever seen some of the footage, you realise that the people who do it border on fearlessness and insanity, uh, which is a very fine line. These these storms are unpredictable. Hurricanes, tornadoes, they, they leave a path of destruction. They tear up whatever's in their way in a matter of moments. And loss of life isn't uncommon. And I imagine that's the kind of force that the psalmist is speaking of. Verses 7 and 8, the erratic flashes of lightning that illuminate the sky. Even the desert isn't spared. Uh, Picture a a sandstorm sweeping across the land, taking away all visibility. Notice it's the desert of Kadesh that's mentioned. So, So now the storm has moved south. 
and look at its impact on the forest in verse 9. Twisting the oak, stripping bare the trees, the storm leaves a lasting mark on all it touches. On the ground, people see nothing but its devastation. But in God's temple, every voice cries out, glory. See, to many people, a storm is a storm. But to King David, a storm is one aspect of God's glory, a reason to worship him. Uh, And as I said earlier, this part of the psalm is interesting. This powerful storm is heading towards Jerusalem. But that's that's the last that we kind of hear about it. We don't know whether it hits God's people. We don't know what sort of destruction it leaves behind. We don't know if it causes, uh, if God causes the storm to subside. In verses 10 and 11, we're once again given a heavenly perspective on things. And we're told three important things that help us. Firstly, God is king even over the elements. And that's pretty clear in the psalm. God simply speaks and the storm comes about. He doesn't even lift a finger So great is his power over this world. Secondly, he gives strength to his people. He's a powerful God, but he gives his people the strength that they need. And thirdly, he blesses his people with peace. Now David knew this firsthand at the time. God gave his people strength and protection many a time under David's reign. And so he says it with confidence. So what sort of response is this psalm calling us to? Well, firstly, it's calling us to acknowledge that God is the force behind the storm. The psalm actually leaves us with some unanswered questions. we, We like the idea of gentle Jesus calming the storm. We're a bit less comfortable with God being the one actually sending the storm, particularly because it doesn't tell us why he brings it or even what impact it has on the people's lives who are in its path. Perhaps that's not the main concern of the psalm. Uh, We need to acknowledge that our God is powerful and majestic, a force to be reckoned with. That by simply speaking, he can send a storm so powerful that we struggle to comprehend it. So acknowledge that God is the force behind the storm. Secondly, the the psalm is inviting us to join those in heaven and and those in the temple to call out glory in the midst of the storm. The beauty of the psalms is that the imagery in them often resonates with the different seasons of life that we face. And the storm is, is certainly a fitting image of what many of us will come to face in life. Some of you will be in the storm at the moment. Everything that seemed so stable is being rocked even broken. In 2022, we don't know what storms of life may lie ahead for us. This this psalm asks us to humbly acknowledge God's power as we recognize our own powerlessness, to recognize the broken cedars around us, the twisted oak, the forests that have been stripped bare, all these things in our lives that we just can't ignore. But to say, despite our circumstances, God, you are strong, you are majestic, you are powerful. I can see that. Even though I don't understand why things are the way they are, I can see your power, even in the midst of a storm. We can stop and cry out, glory, glory, joining the voices in heaven, 
uh, recognizing there's no one like our God. Even amid the chaos, God is in control, still seated on his throne. So this psalm is an invitation to cry out glory, even in the midst of the storm. And lastly, this psalm is calling us to listen to the voice of the Lord. Here is a voice to take note of. Here is a voice worth listening to. We listen to a lot of voices in society. Are we any different as as Christians? Uh, We listen to the experts on stuff.co.nz or the New Zealand Herald if we're we're willing to pay. We listen to talkback radio for for those of of us who still know what that is. Uh, We watch TV shows and movies. But are we drowning out the voice of the Lord? The voice that is unbridled, uh, the unbridled force of the storm. In this psalm, uh, the storm slowly moves towards the heart of God's people, and it impacts the most impenetrable things, the things that we least expect it to, these immovable structures. And there's a lesson for us when it comes to understanding the power of the voice of the Lord. See, for some of us, our hearts harden when God, uh, towards God when the storms of life hit us. And as much as we try and avoid it, it's not possible in our own strength. But the voice of God can touch even the hardest of hearts. Now how can we hear this voice today? Uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that in these last days God has spoken to us through his Son, the one whom we encounter in his word. Uh, I think a number of us underestimate the power of God's word, particularly the impact that it can have in our own lives. Uh, Our hearts are very quick to turn elsewhere for guidance, but God's word can break down our defenses. It can help us with our despair. It can take away our guilt and shame that comes from our sin. Uh, It's through the voice of the Lord that God strengthens his people, that he blesses us with peace, It never ceases uh, to amaze me the effect that the voice of God can have on people who are humble enough to allow it to. The change that it can bring about. Uh, It's something that we've witnessed here as a church over time. We see the the voice of God impact people's individual lives. And we hear wonderful testimonies of of how that's been the case. Uh, And I encourage you to to talk to your brothers and sisters here at church to, to hear their stories. Uh, we see that the change that, that uh, the voice of God brings. And it's something we should praise God for. We can cry out glory because of the way the voice of God continues to be at work. And let's remember that the world around us also needs the voice of God. Uh, you are the voice of God to many people. You have this wonderful privilege to speak the word of God into the lives of others. You know that his is the only voice that can save people from the judgment to come. Uh, And judgment's another image that the voice of God in the storm sometimes brings up. It, It moves closer, but in Christ we have the one thing that can spare us and others from that judgment. He's what they need just as he is what we need. It's through faith in him that we're both strengthened and blessed. So that's Psalm 29. Uh, See the God behind the storm. Stop and recognize his power and cry out glory uh, and continue to the voice of the Lord. Uh, Continue to the voice of the Lord through his son. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm, uh, for showing us your majesty and power. Lord, help us to cry out glory with our lives, uh, with all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.